Welcome to Rejuvenating with Dr. Ron Kaiser. This is the podcast designed to help you lead your life enthusiastically today, tomorrow, and every other day. I am your host, Ron Kaiser, I'm a positive health psychologist and also keynote and TEDx speaker and author of the award-winning and best-selling book, Rejuvenating the Art and Science of Growing Older with Enthusiasm. My website is the Mental Health Gym. It is your place for gathering all kinds of information related to wellness, to positive psychology, my own particular spin on it that I call goal-achieving psychology, rejuvenating, and other wellness-related information. It's also the place where you can contact me and recommend guests for future podcasts. Listeners to the podcast know that Our objective is to always bring you not just educational, informative, and often entertaining guests, but also uh, guests who lead their own lives with enthusiasm and can help us from their own perspective to become the best versions of ourselves. I think you will find that today's guest is not only no exception to this, but is very special in terms of what he has to offer Uh, especially for that segment of the audience that is not only growing older with enthusiasm, but actually growing older. Chris Godfrey is president of Life Athletes and owner of Godfrey Law Offices. He is a graduate of the University of Notre Dame Law School, where he taught sports and entertainment law and is a member of the Indiana Bar. Some of you may recall his name because prior to his legal career, Chris played nine years of professional football. As the starting guard for the Super Bowl 21 champion New York Giants in 1987, he earned honors as All-Pro from NFL Films and All-NFC from the AP and UPI. He was also a member of three Rose Bowl teams with the University of Michigan. As someone who graduated from the University of Minnesota and who follows the Philadelphia Eagles, I've uh, seen Chris's accomplishments exceed those of of my teams throughout most most of time. Chris founded Life Athletes, an association of over 300 professional and Olympic athletes who teach and inspire young people to leave lives of virtue. He is the author of two popular curriculums, One is called That's Where I Live, A Guide to Good Relationships, and See, I Make All Things New. He was also named as the New York Giants Alumni Man of the Year. Chris and his wife have six children and eight grandchildren. They reside in South Bend, Indiana, where Godfrey Law Offices is located. It's also uh, the home of Sideline to Sideline Estate and elder law planning process. He hosts a weekly podcast called The Sandwich Generation about helping aging parents while raising children, and it's on Redeemer Radio and Spoke Street Media. We haven't had an elder law attorney on this podcast before, and we haven't had anybody who's had such a varied uh, and accomplished career in a couple of areas. So, Chris, want to welcome you to Rejuvenating with Dr. Ron Kaiser. It's such a pleasure to have you with us. Well, thank you, Ron. It's great to be with you. And I really enjoyed that introduction because it made me come full circle. My grade school principal, Sister Kathleen, 
used to close every announcement over the PA system with the encouragement to live life with vim, bigger vitality, and enthusiasm. <laughs> so what's all is new again? Great. Well, you obviously took her advice and uh, <laughs> looking forward to you spreading it to our audience. You've had a really unique history and resume. So I think where I'd like to start before you even start kind of giving us information that, that will be particularly uh, helpful to us. I'd like to learn a little more about you. Again, it's kind of an unusual history. I would think that uh, for, for many professional athletes, the thought of then going to law school is uh, maybe like playing football without a helmet. Uh, I, I guess I'm, I'm wondering, can you tell us a little bit about your journey and why you took on two tough in different ways, but difficult professions and, and have accomplished in both? Yeah, I got beat up physically and went to get beat up mentally in law school. It's kind of, what am I, a glutton for punishment? And uh, I think it, I would boil it down, Ron, to just taking the next right step, not really knowing uh, what the, the entire future holds, but just taking the next right step and being very thoughtful and, uh, and prayerful before taking it. And I say the prayerful thing with great meaning, because when people ask me, why did you go to law school like you just did? I usually say, Mother Teresa made me. And it's not too far from the truth, because I met her one morning in that strange interim where uh, a football player finds himself after spending all of his life playing football, contemplating not doing it any longer. And if you're doing it at the professional level, like not getting paid for it any longer, it's a big step. And I had played nine years and, you know, I thought it was time. Uh, our, our fourth baby was due. Uh, the time training camp would start. And at that point, we lived in New Jersey and the Seattle Seahawks on the other side of the world had my rights. And I uh, didn't think that Heading, leaving Dottie behind at that point was such a good thing. And having played nine years, I felt, you know, like it was time. And um, but what was I going to do next? And I got to meet that special uh, woman once. And uh, during that anticipating meeting her, my prayer was, Lord, show me what the next step is. And after that meeting, uh, a, a couple of people in just a casual conversation looked at me. One of them was a teammate of mine whose wife was at Harvard Law School. They all looked at me and said, you know, you should go to law school like like that right out of the blue. And uh, and so that was what began it. And uh, I had a buddy in New Jersey who had gone to Notre Dame undergraduate and being a Michigan Wolverine. That was kind of like oil and water. I'm going to go to Notre Dame. But I went to Notre Dame and talked to a, a professor, a great guy, became a good friend and client, actually. But he told me that I, given my interests, I should I should come to Notre Dame. And uh, I decided that he was right. And I was lucky enough to get in. And then the beating started. <laughs> <laughs> Three years later, I did get my uh, law degree and uh, was admitted to the bar. And we've been here in north central Indiana ever since, about 30 years now. Well, that's quite a story. And... It didn't end there. You are an elder law attorney. So I'm wondering for, for those of us who may think we know what it is, what is elder law? Well, elder law, broadly speaking, the way that I look at it, uh, is everything that has to do with an elderly person's life. 
and uh, and not just the legal end of things, although that's a, a field of study or specialization within the law that has largely grown around the idea of helping people manage their affairs at the end of life, but primarily to arrange things in such a way that they can pay for the long-term care. You know, how to qualify for Medicaid or VA benefits, things of that sort. That's how it grew up. And it was just an organic growth. It was nothing, you know, hard and fast, but it's just the way that it developed. And um, but I got interested in it primarily when it started to emphasize more on the goal of trying to find good care. Okay, and get and, and get it for your clients help and helping families find and get it and payment for it was kind of an afterthought, a necessary afterthought. But first putting first things first, you now taking finding the care that you need and then figuring out how to pay for it. And if you're lucky enough and uh, people who have enough foresight will start thinking along these lines, which is being proactive. I mean, we're all going to age up. Nobody knows how much longer we're going to live. But I think everybody's starting to get the idea that the real challenge is during that lengthening period of time before we die. And how are we going to care for ourselves, care for our loved ones? How are we going to pay for it? Where are we going to get that help? All of that stuff. So if they're proactive before they get sick and start thinking about these probable eventualities, they have more options and they can be a little more proactive, proactive in their planning. And that's what we like to begin with, folks. But sometimes, you know, life happens, you get busy and you think things are better than they really are. And uh, people come in to see me and say, yeah, we're fine and no big deal. And then just a few months later and the COVID thing did help people's health kind of take a turn for the worse a little more quickly than I mean, we're all living under a great deal of stress. And I'm trying to remind myself of to be even more sensitive to people uh, than usual because, you know, we're all feeling kind of bruised right now. But they find themselves needing that care right away. And if you need that care uh, that costs money that you wish you could have protected your assets from, but it's too late for that, well, plan B is uh, what we call a crisis plan. And uh, we help people do the best they can when that point in time comes. So it's a long answer that just scratches the surface. Yeah, I'm, I'm sure, but it's, it's very helpful to know that. Thank you. I'm wondering if you want to avoid a crisis, is this the kind of thing where... Uh, as soon as you get your first job, people say start saving for retirement. Not everybody does, but uh, is it the kind of thing that that you should start at an early age or when you reach 50 or, you know, if you want to avoid the crisis, obviously you want to do it before you need it. And uh, if we were fortune tellers, that would make the answer easy. But uh, just as a general guideline, when should people start thinking about somebody like you? Well, uh, for estate planning, immediately, right? We joke in this business, it's not, it's not a funny joke, but the death rate in this country is still at 100%. So estate planning generally revolves around taking care of your stuff at death. But what we're talking about in elder law is a period of time when we're getting older and our health is starting to decline. So when would be a good time to start all positioning your assets in such a way that they would be protected from a spend down or from nursing home costs and things of that sort. And I would think that, you know, there, again, 
I don't have a crystal ball. I don't know anybody else who does. When you're in your 50s, you know, the kids are kind of out of the house now. You're starting to look at another phase. You're still in good health and all the rest. I would think that would be a good time to do the best sort of proactive planning. But, you know, what you were talking about, preparing for retirement, uh, putting money away and enjoying the income tax deferral that IRAs and the like will provide for you. One of the things that really helps pay for long-term care when you're older is long-term care insurance, okay? And that's a, a, a unique animal that's been around for a little while, but it's expensive, especially when you get older. And it might be a little prohibitive, when you, certainly when you get to be 60, but it starts getting pricier uh, before that. And the reason it's getting pricier is that people know that it's a good deal. And the actuaries kind of messed up with the numbers. When they kind of figure out how much of a premium they should charge for this insurance, they take into account that a number of people like life insurance policies will let them lapse. And therefore, the insurance companies, they're not expected to really pay out on all of them, just a certain percentage of them. But since people aren't letting go of their long-term care insurance, the life insurance companies, their numbers were off. They weren't charging enough. And so I think they're playing, many of them are playing catch-up now. So... The sooner you get long-term care insurance, the, the more affordable it's going to be. Why is long-term care so expensive? Why is it so expensive? Uh, because they charge more for it. <laughs> or why do they charge more for it? Maybe because they can. It's uh, certainly tied to our medical costs, right? And, uh, and very bright people have studied why we've had such an increase in costs. Probably the same people that are working on why the colleges cost so much are uh, pacing inflation. I suppose what you could say with medical costs is that, well, there's, you know, they're ordering, they have new tests to, to order and they have new equipment that they need to pay for and all the rest. And maybe some people order stuff that they really don't need to order and therefore throwing that expense onto the system and the system shifts costs around and you don't want to be the one left holding the bag. <laughs> But that's how it works. And uh, but you probably would want to talk to an economist to get a better answer. And I'm not sure anybody has a, a great answer because costs keep going up. But I'm wondering, you brought up something that has, has affected lots of people and certainly a lot of people that I work with. And that's, you know, nobody studied for or planned for or prepared for uh, a to be in a pandemic. And uh, I know that certainly one of the things that, that we've kind of learned is, you know, as much as possible, you have to pay attention to your health, try to have as few uh, complicating conditions, comorbidities as possible, you want to be able to live independently as much as you can, rather than be in, in that kind of an environment where there's a lot of older, sick people. I mean, has there been anything that your field has learned or changed in as a result of the fact that, hey, this wasn't something that we thought much about five years ago. Well, one of the things uh, it's kind of um, boring to your listeners would be the, um, the states have loosened up some of the, uh, the formalities that are necessary for signing, let's say. You know, uh, if somebody's sick, you know, how do you go and get their documents signed? and things like that, remote sort of dealings. And so every state, you know, it's state run, so every state does things a little bit differently. Some of us are hoping that some of these 
use of technology to do the things that we do will stay in place simply because it's so convenient for people to do business remotely. But we'll see where all of that goes and, uh, and see you know, how things worked and how things kind of get unwound as we go forward. But that would be the biggest thing. Mm-hmm. And, the, and the second one would be something I touched upon is that people's health declines and periods of isolation, as you know, better than most, is that it's not a good thing to be isolated. And, uh, and people will start to slip much more quickly uh, mm-hmm. under such circumstances. So how do we, how do we stop that from happening? And I, and I think another thing that all, all of us can do is don't lean so heavily on miracle science, right? Uh, it's okay if I weigh 25 pounds too much. The doctor will come up with something and bail me out at the last minute sort of a thing. And so we're going to have to be a little more responsible to keep these wonderful bodies that we've been given working as best we can. Are we eating right, getting some exercise, sleeping, hydrating, taking the right vitamins? Those are the sorts of things that our bodies are a lot stronger uh, than we sometimes give them credit for being. And uh, all we need to do is um, probably pay a little bit more attention to keeping that ship shape. And that's going to go a long way in helping us, uh, helping to protect us from these unseen sort of things and allowing us to live our lives more fully. Right. And as uh, you've kind of indicated, it will help us lead our lives with enthusiasm longer, as well as hopefully enhancing longevity. Got to ask you something that's um, a little bit uh, not unrelated, but I'm just wondering as an athlete and somebody who is obviously well into competition, if you'd gone to law school and become this this aggressive trial lawyer, I I think that would fit. You're in a field where I think in order for your client to win, somebody doesn't have to lose. How did you happen to get into that part of law? Oh, well, it started with, I got cut three times my first 12 months in the NFL, meaning I wasn't wasn't that great, at least playing defense. And um, after that third cut, I actually got a job in the life insurance industry with some of my buddies and kind of a niche uh, of estate planning, working with business owners and the like. So that's where I first became aware of estate planning. And then when I got through law school, figuring out where I might want to practice, I had some nonprofit interests and things of that sort uh, causing me to travel. And I knew if I was a trial lawyer or somebody that did most of my business in a courtroom tied to a judge's schedule, my travel would suffer for it. And, uh, and knowing what estate planning was all about already from a different perspective, I decided to work in that field. And that's how it began. And it's been a good fit because it's um, the keeper of my own schedule. I work with people in a much more close, collaborative way than I might otherwise have been able to. Family life's very important to me. I didn't work in a big firm that owned me, um, didn't get paid as much, but I surely enjoyed being able to be free enough to coach my kids in sports and all the rest. And all of that is paying off in spades now that they're growing up and having kids of their own. Great, great. Well, good for you, because certainly, uh, as I can attest, having kids and grandkids who are part of your lives really, really enhances it. It sure does. Not everybody is that fortunate in the- Certainly, I think both of us regard our, ourselves as, as being quite fortunate and hopefully maybe having contributed something to the way it's evolved. 
which uh, takes me to another question that with a little different population. Uh, tell us about life athlete. Life athletes is kind of related to all of that. When I was um, playing uh, football, I often get invited to speak to young people, you know, in the off season primarily. And I saw that a lot of them getting hurt because of the decisions they were making that were relationship based. And oh, I, and I wanted to do something about that. So these visits that I made were more than just autograph sessions. Leave them with something substantive. And it would begin with something as simple as like, we all want to have good friends. But uh, to get good friends, you got to be a good friend. And a good friend is a good person, somebody that you can rely upon. You know, we're all sick and tired of people that are friendly to us one day, but not the next. And we're guilty of the same. So one of the things that we can do is work on acquiring virtue. And that'll give us the friendships that we're all after. And the reason why we're all after them is that everybody wants to be happy. And if you think about all the things that make you happy, good health, some of the things that we've been talking about here already, friends are at the top of the list because uh, only in friendships can we find love and love lasts forever. And, and so I'm trying to get the kids to appreciate that. You know, playing in the NFL, having a big car, that's not it, right? That's fun, but it's limited. It wears off. Winning a Super Bowl ring was fun, right? Never thought I'd win one. But you know what? Somebody came along and became the champions the next year. And there have been over 30 new champions since I did it last. So it's kind of old news. Kind of wears off. Uh, but the relationships that I had 30 years ago, the ones I still have, still very meaningful to me and maybe even more valuable because of the life that we've shared together. So that was the, the gist of the work with Life Athletes, spending quality time in front of the kids uh, in presentations, but also creating curriculum that got into schools and all the rest. And uh, people that follow that advice, like myself, it's kind of like when we get older, I was reading your book, Ron, where one of the nice things that you can do to stay enthusiastic and stay engaged is to tell people a little bit about your life, some of the things you've learned, passing it on to the next generation. And as you do that, I'm sure that you thought of things that you already knew, but you probably, as you thought about it in a more logical sequence and trying to tell the story to others, realized its full depth and dimension in your own life. And that's kind of what I did and putting together a couple of things that I wrote. And um, now that I'm 63, I'm really happy that I followed my own advice because I honestly shudder uh, what my life would be like now if I had made different choices. Yeah, I mean, this is so powerful and so meaningful. And thanks for sharing that. I, I think it also ties back to something that you mentioned earlier about the matter of isolation in old age. Certainly, if you have a good base of friendships, that diminishes the chances of that you'll be isolated, that you won't have people to stay in touch with because you know, loneliness in, in many ways is a, a killer, you know, or at least a longevity reducer. And I, I just think that, you know, particularly in relation to people who may at a particular time, because they may be getting adulation for being athletes or whatever may kind of diminish or, or not be alert to how important it is to maintain friendships. It can be a lifelong friendship. So yeah. thanks very much for that. 
I guess related to it is uh, your podcast. I'm intrigued by, you know, the title of Sandwich Generation. And uh, while I know what that means, what kinds of things do you address in that? Well, thanks for asking. Oftentimes people think being an ex-athlete, they're talking about eating, right? (laughs) (laughs) Another overweight (laughs) ex-player. Actually, we went back for our old coach, Bo Beckler at the University of Michigan would have these reunions for a couple of years there. All the guys from 20 teams would come back and somebody made the observation, maybe it was Dan Beardo, if he was a Michigan guy, made the observation is that all the old linemen are nice and fit and skinny and all the running backs are overweight. <laughs> but, but getting back to what you had asked me about, yeah, so the sandwich generation has more to do uh, with generational positioning, you know, being positioned between two generations and feeling sandwiched by the pressures that one feels. You know, you're still at the tail end of raising kids, perhaps, and all of a sudden now your parents are needing some more attention too. And you're thinking of, you know, everybody but yourself. And the idea of the show was to provide some practical guidance, um, raise some issues that I'm sure that our listeners are starting to think about, but saving them some time by telling them where they can find more help, giving them some ideas and encouragement for their roles, and to let them know that you know they're holding it all together. And not to make them feel bad about it, but to give them a vision for this life as being really a time to shine to embrace this enthusiastically, as you said, because you can you can affect both generations and for generations to come because of the input that you're you're bringing into your family right now and the way that you play your role. And so it's as we're talking about, we're getting older, there's more technology, more bills coming your way, more insurance, changing things all the time, new taxes, whatever it is, helping somebody else manage their households, There was a a financial editor, I think, with the Wall Street Journal a few years ago, and uh, he was talking about the feeling that he had taking over for his parents. He felt like he just got plopped down in the middle of their living room and told to run things. I had no idea what to do, you know, and my parents weren't terribly forthcoming in the past about what they had going on in their lives and where things were and all the rest. And so... We try that with estate planning is that we create plans, but we also make sure that if they're in a trust-based sort of a plan, that their assets are lined up with these plans that they're making through titling. We call it funding. But also a big part of that is kind of uncovering, figuring out how they do things and where things are and how they're titled. So when the time comes when their helpers have to stand into their shoes, it'll go more smoothly because they know where everything is how it's being owned, and therefore what they can do about it, whether it's applying for Medicaid or VA benefits, things like that. It's not like everything's a huge crisis and we can't find anything and we're signing government documents swearing that this is everything when we really don't know, right? Mm -hmm. So um, the whole idea with the sandwich generation is to give some support to people that have these new roles in their life. And also a, a big part of it, dovetails with your message, Ron, is that is to embrace it enthusiastically. This is life. This is your life. It's not like you're in a holding period waiting for these tasks and challenges to go away before you really start living. No, this is it. Okay. And this is a time to shine and grow in your capacity to love and all the rest, because that's the most meaningful aspect to our existence. It's really so inspiring to 
here that we're you're dealing with it not just as you know data but also just that that we're dealing with human beings and i think that one of the things i try and teach is you're you're exactly where you should be at this point and if we accept that then let's make it work in the best way so that it's everybody wins in the situation. And again, as I said, I, I think it's, it's uh, I mean, the word that I pick is inspiring to, to know that you're working on the human part of it as well as the data part of it. And I just think that the podcast has to be a tremendous service, which uh, leads me to the fact that we, as usual, typically run out of time before I run out of questions. So one of the things that I would like to uh, find out is how, how do people find out about you? What things do you have that may be available to, to others? What things are specific to people who are living in Indiana or are things... Can things be done online? Or I guess that's my question. Yeah. Well, you know, uh, intuiting that the legal profession is uh, regulated state by state. Okay. You're licensed by particular states. I'm licensed in Indiana. I do have clients in other states that I work with through colleagues who are in that state. So we kind of work together. Okay. Uh, that's possible. But I also have many colleagues in other places that. I'll refer people to. So I do that on occasion when people are asking for some, for an idea about somebody in another part of the world. So I do relay that. If somebody would like to learn more about what we do as a law offices, as a law office, we have a website, which is godfreelawoffices.com, godfrey, G-O-D-F-R-E-Y, lawoffices.com. And uh, Life Athletes has another sort of resources on it. And that's L-I-F-E, Life Athletes. Nobody remembers how to spell athletes. So I'm going to spell it A-T-H-L-E-T-E-S dot org, not com, org. And so those are the two online presences that we have. Now, my wife and daughter, people that help me with the website are often after me about the uh, social media presence, Facebook. We have a site on Facebook uh, LinkedIn, but they'll, they'll always telling me that I got to be on there more. So, but we have some stuff up there. You can always go to Godfrey Law Offices on Facebook or LinkedIn to find something there. So thanks for asking. And, um, you know, if they wanted to call, the number is 574-237-9000, 574-237-9000. And we'll have all this information in the show notes. So if you're driving, you don't have to memorize it. it, it yeah, good thing, yeah. In the show notes. And what about the podcast? How can people access that? Well, the podcast uh, can be found wherever you get your podcasts, I understand. You might know know some of the names. Uh, Spotify is one that comes to mind. I know there are others. Uh, the Sandwich Generation is the name of our show. Some people think that even if you just punch in sandwich, it'll jump up to you. But I think that's the best place to go is wherever podcasts can be gotten and just type in the show. Okay. The Sandwich Generation with Chris Godfrey. Great. It sounds like a, a really important thing for, for us to live in, who, who are living in this process, whether we're at the older end, the younger end, or the, the middle, even though it's, it seems to be directed at the, at the people in the middle of the sandwich. The other thing for people who may just be inclined to, to be do-it-yourselfers, if somebody is in a different state and is just interested in finding an elder law attorney, 
And I know they, they can contact you about possible referrals, but is there a specialty? Is there an organization? Is there a logical place that if somebody is listening in Texas or Ohio or someplace that uh, that would be a logical way of seeing that they're getting somebody who knows what they're doing? Yeah, well, I somebody wanted to uh, ask me about a recommendation. I could re- recommend an association that I belong to. It's a national association. It's called Lawyers with Purpose. They have a concentration on elder laws, ways of doing things. Uh, that would be one. There's a, a life care planning legal association. I think that's it. Some of these associations get too long, but that's a very fine one that have an elder law basis on it. There are others that I don't have a, close relationship with, so I won't mention them, but, you know, kick the tires a little bit and uh, interview uh, an attorney or two. It's really important that they have a strong educational component involved with the way they do things so you can learn uh, about what you're doing so you can make informed choices. And and not everybody is educative or uh, counseling minded or oriented. And so you're going to have to find that out for yourself. And certainly, if you're lucky enough to live near South Bend, Indiana, we have the phone number in the show notes. And uh, again, I think wherever you are, this has been a really educational and fascinating podcast. I really appreciate it, Chris, the, the, the time you spent with us, the knowledge that you've shared your admirable life in so many ways from your football history to your legal history to your family life and spiritual life. I just think, you know, a terrific role model for those of us who are trying to lead our lives with enthusiasm and be the best versions that we can be. So I really, really appreciate this, Chris. Well, thanks, Ron. And you're to be applauded too for your ability to bear the hatchet of what we did your eagles and gophers through the years. So, <laughs> well, if I recall correctly, though, the Super Bowl 52, which the Eagles won, is <laughs> more happened more recently than any of the of the many that the Giants won. <laughs> Not to mention what the Gophers have done to their to the Wolverines in recent years either. <laughs> well, anyway, I kind of still like you, but uh, you know, you've managed to overcome your background and still be a nice guy. So I appreciate you being with us. And thanks again. And so this has been Rejuvenating with Dr. Ron Kaiser, the podcast designed to to help you lead your life enthusiastically every day. Our special guest today was Chris Godfrey, who has had couple of, you know, really memorable careers and continues to help people to deal with the challenges of aging in a way that enables them to proceed through the process with dignity and with support. Hope you'll download, listen, rate, review the podcast, tell your friends about it, and be back next week when we have another really interesting guest who will help us on our journey to be better versions of ourselves. Please visit the Mental Health Gym for more information about things related to wellness and positive psychology and related fields. Hope you'll, uh, if you haven't yet, picked up your copy of Rejuvenating the Art and Science of Growing Older with enthusiasm that you'll visit Amazon and pick up the copy in whatever format you may like, paperback, ebook, or audiobook. And until then, since we are still in the pandemic, I'm signing off asking you to stay safe, 
and every day lead your life with enthusiasm.